Hi, I'm Pete Jacobs. I'm a world champion, and you're listening to the Greg Bennett Podcast. Welcome to the Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and this was an absolutely outstanding conversation with one of the all-time greats to do the sport of triathlon, Mr. Pete Jacobs. We talk triathlon, we talk a lot about nutrition, we talk a lot about fatigue and depression and coming out of that. Um, so much to learn in this one, including a fair bit about free diving. Um, really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. All right. Today's guest is a powerhouse in the world of triathlon. His accolades include the coveted title of Ironman Triathlon World Champion in 2012, showcasing just a masterful blend of swimming, biking, and running. And he was runner-up the year before at the World Championships. Add to that his multiple Ironman wins and Ironman 70.3 wins all around the world. And you get the picture. He's just one of Australia's all-time greatest Ironman athletes. But his journey doesn't stop at athletic achievements. He's channeled his experiences into health and performance coaching. And he now has a business, Live Your Own Fit, which he co-founded with his wife, Jamie L. He battled through all sorts of challenges, fatigue and depression. And he's emerged not just as an athlete, but as a guide. And, and he's keen on just helping Others elevate their energy and their own health. He's not just an Ironman. He's a mentor and just an advocate for health and endurance. Most importantly, he's been a good mate of mine for many, many years, and it's an enormous honor and privilege to have him join me. So welcome, and thanks for joining me on The Greg Bennett Show. Pete Jacobs, how are you, mate? Good, good. Thanks, Craig. Well, hell of an intro. <laughs> You're welcome, mate. Well, you know what? It's 6 a.m. there for you in Noosa. You've gotten up especially early for me. I thought, you know what? At least I can pump you up a little bit to get the day started. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, you, buddy. And, I'll try and bring some of your energy. <laughs> oh, mate, I appreciate you. And you've got, you've, we were just talking pre-show, you know, you've got your little one now. Um, you're getting plenty of sleep. What's that been like for you? Yeah, uh, little Maple is six months old now, and I've slept well since the start because Jamie's <laughs> been in the nursery, as I think a lot of athletes yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was training for Cairns, um, yeah. you know, the first part of the year, and so, and and I mean, we've had a really good bub. So Maple pretty much gets up and eats, and I, you know, there's not much I can do in that stage because Jamie's had good yeah, milk, and yeah. so she has been on milk. And so, you know, Jamie wakes up, you know, two to three times a night, feeds her, and she goes back to sleep. Generally. Oh, yeah. Obviously, there's some nights she wakes up more and Jamie's more tired the next day. But then I've had a good sleep, so I'm more capable. Yeah. Um, I can fit in some training, obviously less some days, and um, take care of Maple. Jamie will get a nap, and, you know, it's really it's great. I love it. Well, well, as you know, we, we were just down in Australia for a good period, five and a half weeks. We had... 10 amazing days up in Noosa. We caught up with you guys a couple of times. And i got to tell you, your little maple is the most precious little bub, I think, that Laura and I have seen in a long, long time, or maybe ever. Um, she really is a, a sweetheart, and uh, I can get why you're getting plenty of sleep. Now, you mentioned you did Ironman Cans. Mate, that was outstanding. You know, 8.09, fourth. I thought you were going to run onto the podium there. Are you pleased with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A comeback race. Like, I, I feel like I haven't raced in three or four years kind of thing. So, mm, mm. it was nice to hit that um, that pain threshold in mm. an Ironman mm. where you have to ask yourself, do I want to do this? Do I want to be here? 
and yeah, push through. Um, yeah, the last it was going great. Front group on the bike with Braden Curry and a bunch of good guys. And then, but the last fifty k of the bike, I lost eight or nine minutes just with some tight hips and oh, tight back. Yeah. Um. So then I got off and still ran. Yeah, two forty nine and pushed through pain and and everything. And I was stoked that I was able to do that. And um, yeah, I would have been close to the podium had I not had that uh physical issue but that's every that's well i would have you know i would have won if i would have won like, <laughs> you can't say, you can't, yes. i can't say yeah. i would have but um that's part of it that's yeah. part of uh how we train our bodies you know if you if in like in december last year i was aiming for bustleton and got a hip stress fracture um and that was yeah too much running too hard i got super fit run run fit that yeah. was that was amazing um, but you know, you can't, <laughs> there's got to be consequences to pushing the self. Yeah. You, you peer hard, over so. the edge, don't you? You peer over that edge and sometimes you just take that step too far. And I think there's probably a million athletes out there listening to this show to going, nodding their heads going, yep, done that. Um, but honestly, yeah, I, but- I, I looked just real quick. I, I looked at your fourth in cans and I just thought, you know what? Good on you, mate. Like it's been, We'll get into it in this show, but it's been a hell of a journey for you the last 10 years. And I just wanted to make sure up front we celebrate that a little bit because it was a little bit of a, hey, you know what? This is this is a great performance. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I felt. I certainly was so relieved crossing the finish mm, line. Mm. And now with uh, Maple, so Maple and Jamie at the finish line, it, it brings a whole new joy yeah. to crossing a finish line now, I think, for sure. Yeah, well well done again, buddy. And, and like I said, I want to go through your journey a little bit, but let's start. I know when we were having coffee for all, everybody listening, I was, I was chatting to Pete and we were having lunch. I think the girls were playing with the bub and you and I were chatting and, and I was like, yeah, let's get you on the pod. And, and, and you were willing to do it. And you said, you know, one of the things I don't love about podcasts is, you know, having to listen to people's journey from the very beginning. But you know what? I'm going to do that anyway because it's one of the things I enjoy most. <laughs> so I'm still going to ask you to recap your journey a little bit. You don't have to go into too much detail, but I'd love to get an understanding of, of how you did find the sport of triathlon in the beginning and, and when did, you know, how did that passion all start? Yeah, um, I'll try and... I like looking at things a bit sort of scientifically or finding meaning. So I'll try and make it interesting. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm definitely a product of, of genetics and the environment, you know, so that kind of old scientific approach um, or quote. So, yeah, mum and dad, fairly good athletes. Um, my brother, uh, world older brother, world-class um, ski paddler mm. in the 2000s um, in marathon ski paddling. So he also has the endurance genes. Um, and then my sister, not an endurance elite athlete, um, <laughs> but certainly taught me a lot as well, uh, joy and fun. And we all did surf lifesaving growing up. And when I finished high school, I had an apprenticeship for landscaping. So that's pretty much four years of, of labor and learning skills of stonemasonry and gardening and deck building and a bit of jack of all trades. And it was in that first year with my first paycheck that I got a bike and started riding with some older guys that lived in the area of Sydney that I lived in. Um, and they took me on long rides and it was like, wow, I love, I love this feeling of being out free, going fast, pushing myself on hills against people and, and it's in training. Mm. Um, they guided me into my first Ironman when I was, I think I was 20 years old at um, Foster, Ironman oh. Australia. And um Went nine and a half hours and hit the targets I wanted to set exactly. And from that point, it was in my 
gut and in my heart that I wanted to be good at that and I believed that I could be good at that. And then from then on it was just do more Ironmans, do more half Ironmans and, you know, just keep honing honing what I could. I look at you and you're a phenomenal swimmer runner. You know, and, and you're solid on the bike. You, you know, I wouldn't call you the, the uber biker Sebastian Kinley of old, you know what I mean? But you, you're a swim and runner, outstanding. Did you ever, you know, look at the, the ITU, the World Series Olympics as a possibility? It was never even on the radar. Really? Um, yeah. No, because I came into it from surf lifesaving yeah. and then 19 years old was when I kind of looked at triathlon and just did a bit for fun. And I just loved the long course mm. racing um, straight up. And I guess it was one of those things. No one approached me and said, hey, would you like to do this? We've seen you, seen you in Ironman. Mm. Would you like to come back to ITU? No, no, none of that happened. And um, I definitely have endurance genes. You know, mm. I guess I guess you could say an Olympic distance race is still endurance. Like it's two hours. So it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely aerobic based. It's not a hundred meter yeah. sprint, um, which in high school, you know, any, I could never do a hundred meter sprint. I was so slow. Mm. Um, but I'd win cross country every year without really training for it. Um, so yeah, that, that's what happens when you grow up swimming. I think, as you know, in, in Australia, you grow up swimming, you kind of build, um, you know, a good pair of lungs when you're, when you're growing up, yeah. um, in the pool. And that just carried me through to all sports that I tried when I was growing up. Um, mm. and then, yeah, yeah, it, I don't regret never having the opportunity to do ITU or anything that doesn't doesn't phase me um, no no I, enjoyed, I, I was I just curious what I've learned through long course yeah yeah no I, look you've had an outstanding career I it was um you know it's funny I I was always you know I grew up in Mossman and, and for people for listeners Pete and I actually grew up in on the northern side of Sydney so there's the the southern shire which has you know uh Chris McCormack Greg Welsh uh McKeeley Jones Craig Alexander they're all down there and Pete and I are the northern side of the Sydney. Um, so you were always part of Ringa Tri Club and I was part of uh, Balmoral Triathlon Club. And I kind of love the fact that you and I are two of the northern boys. There's not many of us on the north side of Sydney. No, and that's that's kind of why I moved up to Noosa because <laughs> it's, it's amazing for – I mean, by the time I was doing Ironman, you and all the other guys were all overseas yeah. full-time. So there was no one even north or south in Sydney that was a professional triathlete. Mm. <laughs> um, so I had no peers to help guide me um, or even just to get that vibe from that I'm doing something that other people are doing. So that was part of the move to Noosa. Um, Interesting. Which is kind of, you know, the hub of triathlon in in Noosa. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that was been great. And since, since then, just being around people, I didn't really train with people for Kona, but – just knowing that there's other people doing what I do in a close vicinity made it so much easier. I get it totally. That's kind of why we we moved to Boulder, Colorado for that exact reason. It was like I very rarely trained with people, but when you're in a community of endurance sport enthusiasts, you know, and then you end up having better massage therapists, better food around. It's like there's a whole culture that goes with it. It's not just the athletes and and Noosa where, you know, Laura and I were from 2000 to 2016 for every summer <laughs> for forever and then Belinda and Justin Granger turned up and then you and Jamie L turned up and then Jan and Emma were there and it's like this, uh, it became a great little community and even though, like to your point, 
we might see each other on the Sunday afternoon swims or the occasional swim squads, but we weren't all training together. You know, Luke and Beth, another two I, I forgot about. Um, it's quite a community you've got there. So, yeah, you know, you're, you're living in Noosa. There was such a tremendous amount of people there for you to actually just be around. It, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, obviously, Blinder and Justin Granger have been here a long time. Yeah. Um, so they're stalwarts and, and such sort of, you know, the older statesmen of the, uh, of triathlon community. And Care, so careful here, how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> careful how you say it. <laughs> but yeah, they, yeah. they, uh, they're always around, you know, yeah. that they had so much experience. Um, you know, I can ask them anything for a bit of guidance now and then. Mm. Um, and then you had, you know, at the same time, Luke McKenzie was training here a fair bit of the year. Um, when I was here as well, around the 2012, 13 period, we moved up in 2011 ish. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, you just, just knew that these guys were around and that just gave me, you know, confidence, I guess it's, it was being a professional athlete. It's quite a weird thing. Uh, you're sort of like, gosh, is anyone else even doing that? But up here, it's a familiar thing. So, yeah, you know, people aren't giving you weird looks like, well, geez, are you really making money from this like is it a real career like you know those sorts of yeah. things you just kind of block that out a bit easier and of course obviously yeah. the weather and the um training location is uh, oh, amazing it's, it's well. unreal mate what a beautiful part of the world now you mentioned earlier um you know you were landscaping when did you sort of pull the trigger and move over from landscaping to giving triathlon a full go and what was that like transition like yeah that was just at the end of my four-year apprenticeship um, so four years of, of, as I said, hard labor, I bet, I bet. <laughs> but I'd, I'd train in the afternoons and I'd do some, some swims in the morning, um, two or three times a week. And yeah, at the end of the apprenticeship, I just sort of used the excuse as, oh, look, anyone that had done uni might go for a gap year and go on holiday. Well, I've just done my apprenticeship. So I'm going to go, you know, do some triathlon for a bit, yeah. but but I knew deep down that the reason I was doing it was because in my heart, I was believed that I could be, you know, world champion at Ironman. Um, just something I thought I was naturally good at. I just had that, that gut feeling. Um, so, you know, I sort of play it down to people around me a little bit, but I knew that, nah, this is something I'm going to follow until that happens. And let's just see where it goes. Mm. So I did... First year pro, I did New Zealand and finished fifth, I think. Um, and then four weeks later, did Australia and finished fourth. And then went overseas to LA, actually, like around Manhattan Beach area, and trained for Kona that year. Um, but that was when, like I'd had fatigue on and off, you know, a, a moment here and there growing up. Mm. Um, but then like where the fatigue feeling is can't get my heart rate up just no matter how hard I try, there's no energy reaction and I cannot create energy and I can't get my heart rate up. And I trained hard for Kona over in LA and then on race day that first year, um, as a pro, cause I, I knocked back opportunities to go as an age grouper, um, in previous years, right. cause I knew, no, I want to, I want to do this properly. <laughs> Um, but I was fatigued on the, on the race and just wanted to kind of get off the bike, but I, I suffered through the bike and then, you know, just got off the bike and shed some tears, sat down and, um, my mates were there and we had a, 
trip planned afterwards for lots of drinking and <laughs> partying through Grand Canyon, uh, a cruise off Miami and Vegas. <laughs> um, and then I turned up that same year at um, 70.3 Worlds. And What year was that? Oh, 06. Was that 2006? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. First year. First year of 70.3 Worlds in okay. Clearwater. Yeah, I think it was about 06. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, or maybe I'm confusing two years combined. Um, anyway, I went there, nearly had a heart attack. I led the swim out because yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. it was an Australian start, a beach start. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much waded my way out to a clear lead and kept the lead. And then I had a heart attack for the rest of the race oh, and brutal. finished in 300 and somethings at that <laughs> 70.3 worlds because um, I'd, yeah, I'd written myself off a couple of times in um, yeah. in Vegas and on the cruise ship. And um, yeah, do not recommend that. That's probably my most regrets and probably something that hurt my health quite a lot, even though I already had health issues. Just those nights of getting blind, I'd, you know, I'd take them back if I could and just be a lot more sensible. Yeah, but you were um, what, 20, 22, 23? Yeah, early 20s. I yeah, mean, exactly. Yes. I mean, you can yeah. be forgiven for being a bit stupid, you know. I, ne- I mean, I never was stupid. I've never been any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wish like now I can easily have like I only drink maybe once a year, yeah. but I can easily get to the point of like, oh, I'm drunk. It's not going to get any better and just stop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's an that's an age day. thing, mate. That's an yeah. age thing. You start to know. You start to think of ramifications for the next day, two, three, or four days. You're like, yeah. Yeah. Is it really? I wish worth I had it? that when I was young. No. Um, when you're young, you don't. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throw caution to the wind. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was kind of um, it. Actually, so the first year I've confused that that was '06. In '04 was the year I went to LA and and trained and I trained hard for Kona and DNF'd in Kona mm. and. I then came back and got myself sort like I had to rest a lot because of the fatigue. It kind of hung around a bit, but I got myself back up and did Busso. And I think I came, you know, second or third in Busso that year. So I did three Ironmans in 2004. Wow. Um, and yeah, like I said, I could do them well just if I was relatively healthy at the time. Um, mm. But then that was that sort of the the story of my career. I can go well if I'm healthy and don't have the fatigue issues, and if I've got the fatigue issues, then I'm just can't even get my body to fire. It's so brutal because I'm sure even finding, especially when you're talking, you know, this long ago, trying to find a support team around you that actually understand fatigue, you know, and not aren't just the you know I come from the generation of the you know snap out of it, get your shit together. You know, it's true, right? I mean, I mean, that's, and, and it's, I feel like we've learned a lot more in this last decade um, with people like yourself, you know, leading it, to be honest, of, you know, saying, yeah, it's a real thing. This isn't just, it's not just snap my fingers and let's just go again, you know, and that's been part of your journey that from what I can see from when you've won Kona Ironman, and I'm skipping over <laughs> many successful years <laughs> up to 2012, but you know, from 2012 to pretty much now, you know, you've been really trying to get to the bottom of it, right? Yeah, exactly. I had fatigue from 20, from 2004 through till 2012, but it would be a day, maybe a week. But then when I got, you know, 30 years old and, and after 2012, it became more like a week to a month or more. Um, and that, and I did, 
even when I was younger, I did have one long spell after that. Um, I went to yeah Kona one year and came back and spent like quite a few months. And that was probably 06 or something. I had a real long spell of just not being able to um, fire. But um, yeah, so the, the feeling is just not having energy, which also means mentally you're not with it either. So it's just that there's mm. no joy in anything. Like, oh, wow. Wow. you know, there's no, oh, do you want to go for a surf? It's like, mm, no, like I don't and wow. I can't because the brain is telling the body and the body's telling the brain, we don't have energy and we don't want to be doing anything. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's tough, but, and, and so yeah, figured it out that those years. So I went top 10 in Kona four years, I went eighth, then ninth with a penalty on the bike and then second and first, the, the key to keep it simple. The reason I did well those four years is because I actually had like an injury in March, mm. April, May every year that pulled mm. me out and I would six weeks do nothing and ended up having a big rest and then slowly build up, race sort of July, August in, in a half or something and then come back and do August, uh, the end of August, September, just really solid, like six to eight weeks solid, really aerobic because I was training for Kona. So I would do more hours than I'd ever done but not necessarily more intensity, just really aerobic. Um, and I would cut out a few things. Like I'd say no ice cream. And generally I ate the same thing every day, which was like tuna, rice, olive oil, sweet chili sauce. That was pretty much every meal every day. Wow. Um, wow. And so relatively clean. And so s since all of this, I know that dairy is very inflammatory and uh, for me, um, so I stick away from dairy. So something as simple as me back then saying, right, in this three-month build for Kona, there's no ice cream. And that meant I didn't really have dairy. I wasn't a cereal mm -hmm. eater as much as I would have loved to. Mm. That wasn't really like, you know, optimal nutrition. Um, so I didn't have milk and that would have, I know looking back, that would have helped me massively. Um, and of course, I rested more. You know, you go to bed earlier, you have your naps you train well and you hydrate well and you fuel well. Um, so the focus is just that much better when it was in that period for Kona. But then after Kona, you know, getting into say January, February, it might be like, oh, let's just train hard and short and try and do this half really well. Mm. And half the time that was when I would end up fatigued because I'd be pushing, you know, threshold without doing the aerobic work as well. Um, and so I can look back and see that my body and well, everybody's body, but mine is at the far end of the scale for how much it needs oxygen to function efficiently for energy. Mm. So if I've got those adaptations in my blood, if I've got those adaptations in my mitochondria, I am more resilient to all the other factors like slight, you know, uh, treats in my diet, um, or not getting as much sleep or rest. Mm. Um, and so I can see that I need oxygen a lot and I need nutrients a lot. So, you know, now I take a lot of supplements as well. And now I focus a lot on factors that give me a lot of oxygen in my training and, um, yeah, free diving as we've, <laughs> we talked of air, that's, or when you were here, that's something mm. that, um, I, I'm finding very, very beneficial to my um, overall health and, and fitness as well. So, yeah, 
oxygen and nutrients are, are, are the keys for me. <laughs> Mate, there's a lot to unpack in that because yeah. <laughs> for, first and foremost, I, I want to mention that um, the first time I had, you know, COVID um, and I had the – what I what I'm terming the the male COVID, which was basically I was laid up for ten days, so fatigued. Like, uh, you know, we had our, our little guy, and I'd take him to the park, and I'd just lie there, and he just he was he was uh, you know only twelve months old, and he'd just crawl all over me, and that was about all I could do. And and I only mention it because I it gave me a, a different perspective of what people that have serious fatigue go through. Because until that point, I, you know, yeah, I had the flu and had different things, but this one knocked me about to the point that nothing was good. Um, but I only had it for 10 days. But I just, I thought I'd mention it just to say, <laughs> I get kind of maybe what you've been going through for forever. But what, when you look at it, you mentioned inflammatory response. Is that, have you been able to get to the core of what it is that you've been dealing with for going on 20 years? Um, I'm just dealing with, uh, more sensitive, you know, yeah. body, more sensitive mitochondria. And You're like Laura. <laughs> You're like Laura. Yeah. Well, I'm, and I'm very, I'm like my mum, and, yeah. and they yeah. say you do get your mum's mitochondria yeah. and my mum has been dealing with inflammation, chronic inflammation, um, polymyalgia, um, all these issues since a lot. Well, she's had those issues for sort of 15 years, but getting better now. She's off all her meds just now, but she has been very susceptible to inflammation for a long time. So she went on some heavy blood pressure meds when she was pregnant with me. And ever since then, she's been on medication um, of some sort. And they increased, increased, increased as she got other chronic inflammations and as she got polymyalgia then it was prednisone a steroid for you know 15 years and she keeps having inflammatory responses in her body um a little bit of gout she's just had surgery for dupatrons which is the tendons in your hand getting tight that your hand looks like a bit of a claw in the after years um so all of these are just symptoms of inflammation Mm. and a lot of it now it's it's tough for her because I know that a lot of it is um, now she needs to, as I saying, get fitter. Um, her blood needs to improve, but it's hard to do when she's had it for yeah. so long and it's difficult for her to exercise like me to get those improvements. Mm. Um, but yes, her breath hold time is terrible because her blood is already slightly kind of acidic, her CO2 adding any extra acidity is she has got a terrible breath hold. Mm. And that's just a sign that I've figured out over the years of your blood is not happy. There's, there's something in out of balance. And yeah, if you can't, if you can't tolerate any extra CO2, then that does make it hard to, you know, get that cycle moving in a positive way to get fitter. So yeah, there's probably still some deficiencies in, in my mum and, in terms of what have I been diagnosed with? Well, nothing other than that I need all the nutrients and I need oxygen or mm. else I, you know, so say for example, and, and my gut is more sensitive as well. So my, whether it be the microbiome or just in general, my gut lining, um, but they're all kind of linked that, yeah, if, if I will absorb and take on oxalates and lactose and things into my blood, maybe more than others, 
but then also my blood can't handle those things. Um, and then, yeah, my skin gets bad pretty quickly, um, which happened. I first started seeing that when I was in my mid twenties, um, you know, like a, like a psoriasis or seborrheic mm-hmm. dermatitis, something like that. Um, so that's always been a bit of a pain that, yeah, if I have food that I shouldn't have eaten, it's quite obvious, which is, you know, not, not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if I eat clean and feel, you know, eat clean and train well and doing taking my supplements, I don't get any of that and my skin's great. So yeah. I know that there's such a clear response to what goes into my blood ends up affecting my mitochondria. Um, yeah. It's incredible that you have um, such a tremendous sense of feel. I think we were all laughing a little bit in Noosa that you and Laura are very much the same, like that you, it's a gift and a curse. You know, having yeah. this tremendous sense of feel means that you actually, you're two of the most beautiful swimmers in the sport of triathlon, you and Laura, because you, you can, I think your sense of feel is amazing, right? And so your technique is beautiful. The way you both run is like there's all of these the way to perform in sport requires a lot of feel when it comes to the way you move. And that's quite a gift to have in terms of being efficient. But on the other extreme, your bodies are so sensitive to, to all of these senses of feel that it can work on the other part where it's like, it can really knock you down. Um, and it's almost, yeah. you know, you, I don't know, maybe I'm making stuff no, no, up on the spot, right. but you, mean, you have these big bandwidth you two of like, whereas I, I feel like me and the rest of us, we live in this shallow, narrow, little spot with our sense of feel. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, and just anecdotally, if you look at an athlete that is, that just seems resilient, they seem like they've mm. just got, you know, fitness muscles. They look like they can just train hard every single day. They're not necessarily, or they're not the ones that also have the most beautiful technique. They're generally muscling through it, you would say. Mm-hmm. Yes. And anecdotally, I'm saying, but there are a lot of athletes like that oh, that me, just yeah. say, oh, more I than most. Eat, yeah. Yeah. I can eat Maccas every day, have beer every night and pizza. And, but you look at them and they're doing really well, but they do it very differently to how someone with good technique is doing it. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel uh, like you're so, talking about me, but anyway, let's move. <laughs> I, uh, what did Laura's brother used to call us? He would be swimming up and down the pool and be like, here comes the rhino and the swan. And I, I don't think rhinos swim terribly, but I get his point. It's like I'm kind of like the guy that just throws his arms through the water. And anyway, I think there's quite a few more like me. And I, I kind of look at you and Laura and go, I just see it as such a gift and a curse. And, you know, I, I want to talk about a couple of other things. Um, you mentioned before we talk about your career again, we'll come back to your career in a moment, but you talked about doing some free diving. Um, you know, tell, tell me a little bit more about that and what, what you're up to with that. Yeah, so I became interested in the breath many years ago um, and read um, Patrick McEwan's Oxygen Advantage. Mm-hmm. And I started doing some of that breath work that you just do kind of sitting there or lying down where you reduce your oxygen in your blood and you increase your CO2 just by breathing less, mm-hmm. um, like very small breaths. And I would do that. I had an oximeter on my finger so I could see my oxygen saturation dropping. Mm -hmm. And I found that when I did this in a period like three, four years ago when I was feeling inflammation and and one of the feelings is that you go lactic very fast because your body isn't getting the oxygen that you need. So at a very low heart rate, you feel lactic. After two weeks of doing the breath work, 
I went out and rode and felt as if I'd done a month of really good training. My mm. fitness just instantly was better. And so that was the first like real definitive thing for me that said, right, what you, how you help your blood adapt and your body and everything through changing your breathing is, is real. Like there's a real benefit to your fitness. Um, got given by, for my 40th, my brother and sister gave me a, um, a free dive course. So that's where you just learn about free diving. Then you go out into the ocean and you finish off your course dropping down around there's a there's a wreck off here off Malulaba and that was just incredible um loved it didn't touch anything else other than when I would do my swim training I would reduce my breaths and I'd do some laps where I'm only doing you know six breaths per hundred and then I got down to four breaths per hundred um of freestyle swimming and wow, wow. I would train those and that that was hard, but mm. that was the, that was the workout. I would add that type of work into my swim sessions. And it wasn't until just before Cairns, the kind of a group started up around Noosa in, in the pool that is a good little, little free dive group, half a dozen. And they're there like four times a week. So I was making it once or twice pre-cans and was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm getting better every single time I get in. And it's, I love being that, kind of competitive feeling of I am getting better at this mm -hmm. and then I keep going back. And then since cans, I've gone two to three times a week. And last week I've even made it four times. And um the the fitness that I'm feeling on the bike is as I said, the inverse is I am not going lactic at all anymore. So wow. The Tuesday World Champs loop around here that you've heard <laughs> of, which is just the the Tuesday bunch ride. Um and it's got some really hard pinches of sort of 35 seconds, a minute 20, like they're the, the hardest ones. And the rest of the time it's rolling. And if you kind of hit lactic and peak, peak your heart rate, you're going to kind of really suffer. Well, on Tuesday, I there was a smaller bunch. It was a little bit damp, so not many guys turned up. And I led over the hills. I didn't go lactic. And then I broke away with 5K to go and that's – three or four guys that were behind obviously didn't get their their stuff together. They didn't work together and I had a nice 5K breakaway at the end. And, yeah, the whole ride, I just don't go lactic anymore, whereas that's something that I did definitely hit that those hills every single time yeah. would get to the top of them and be burning and have to roll to the back of the group and then recover yeah. and then come back again. But now, like, so the, the, the adaptations that I'm getting from – really proper free dive training and proper breath work it's i just love it so much and like i said that's what i need it's changing my blood and it's changing my mitochondria and then there's obviously hundreds of other chemical reactions and and stuff going on that we don't know mm. that are also improving but it just suits me are you are you um are you doing any blood work or are you going purely off feel yeah, I should. I should. I was thinking of getting some blood work um, mm. shortly mm. to to yeah check hemoglobin in particular. I'm yeah. curious to know if yeah. that is much higher now that I've been doing this sort of work. Because um, when I did last get blood work, I think it was probably about a year ago, around the time of um, cans last year, which I just didn't even train that well for. Um, but I remember 
getting a blood test then and my hemoglobin wasn't great. And you Google it and there's all these YouTubes and things saying, oh, yeah, research says that often endurance athletes have low hemoglobin. And I was like, oh, so does that mean I should worry about it or I shouldn't worry about it? <laughs> it, it doesn't say. It kind of just says, oh, it's kind of a natural thing yeah. for some endurance. And I'm like, in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, it may happen, but I don't think it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no. And hematocrit too. Your hematocrit probably improving dramatically too. Yeah, so I will go and get. Oh, I'm interested, mate. You'll have to you have to shoot me a note. Uh, I'm very curious, and I'll add it to this podcast at some point. Where yeah, people can go and said, check it out. As we said, I, I've improved to the point where um, I hit 100 meters. Yes, underwater 100 meters week. underwater. I saw on your Instagram last week. Congrats, sure mate. We That's use, huge. Um, you know, big free dive fins, but that doesn't change the fact that. Um, like two months ago, I could not have done that, and now I can do it. No, you know, absolutely. So. How many panics did you have to go through? This is how I do my uh, underwater breath holding, which I enjoy doing in the ice tub. Um, the, the 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 scary thing is, and which is why it's so important to do it with people, is that the more you do it, the less panic you have. Yes, I agree. Um, yes, there's just so many changes in your brain and your body the contractions aren't as strong and you can learn to put them out of your head yes um yeah so that has changed i when i started you know two months ago the the panic was real and i would push off the wall and start saying to myself <laughs> nah this, oh, <laughs> the self -talk. you didn't get a good breath yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. self-talk yeah, in yeah. free dive is crazy oh, yeah. and i would have and i would no nah, this wasn't a good breath you're not gonna get to you're, 75 you're on screwed this one. you're screwed mate yeah. <laughs> and and you just just hate it and yeah. there was once or twice in those early sessions where i just came up early and was like nah I was in my head too much and admitted it. Um, but yeah. that that is that is a massive change now that you can so when I did the hundred, it was hard, like because I'd done 90 like five, 10 minutes earlier, and oh. that one was super easy, really comfortable because I was a bit fresher and I hadn't gotten as cold. But then several minutes later, I'm cold and getting a bit tired. And I just, you know, by the time you get to halfway at the turn at 50, oh. I was already like saying to my, as I said in my head, a little bit of, yeah, this one doesn't feel as good as the one before. And then I, I just shut it down and said, no, nah, like stay present and stayed present and still made the, still made the hundred. Well done. And yeah, that come up and the head's wobbly because of the hypoxia because you don't feel hypoxia really. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't feel low, um, low oxygen. You feel the high CO2. So once you learn to tolerate high CO2, that's why it's so dangerous because you don't feel hypoxia, which is what causes the blackout, which is low oxygen. So that's why there has been so many um, unfortunate deaths, particularly in spearfishing. If someone's out there on their own, if you learn to tolerate the CO2 contractions, you, you won't realize that you're really low on oxygen and blackout. Mm. And if no one's there to bring you back up, well, that's that's the end, unfortunately. Yeah, well, you and I was were talking about this when I was down there, and um, and you've pointed out because I said to you, yeah, I've I've been at the gym here, and um, you know, I do the sauna, and then I do the ice bath, and then I I, I met a free dive guy, and he said, yeah, you know, I, I I free dive and hold my breath for two minutes or whatever, and I was like, right, my typical you know athlete ego or just poor ego, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, right, you know, and I, so I started and I'd get to a minute 15, then a minute 30, minute 45, and then I'd, you know, I started to get quite comfortable at the two minutes, but there was one time I got out and all of a sudden I just collapsing 
you know, on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, that was maybe too much, Greg. And I just sort of, but there's people around, you know, they're all, it's, you know, 6.30 in the morning, everyone's getting ready for work in here. Am I collapsing after getting out of the ice bath? And and I'm like, yeah, it is one of those things that you 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 tend to be able to push through. And especially when, you know, you mentioned uh, the self-talk and some days, but I noticed when you're fresh, when you feel really fresh, you can tolerate so much more. You know, on the days you're tired, even just putting my foot in the ice bath, I'm like, yeah, a little less hold my breath underwater, you know. Um, but it is, it does make you feel pretty fantastic. But I do think you're right. You've got to moderate it <laughs> a little yeah. better than just passing out. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and as I mentioned with my mum and her inflammation having a terrible breath hold, I think if, if people – were to track this and it's a bit like oh you could track hiv you can track resting heart rate all of that stuff but breath breath hold would be another one where if you've had drinks the night before you've been stressed the day before oh. a, a fight at work whatever it is that's changed your hormonal your nutrient balance your stress um responses um too much oxidative stress from hard training there's a you're going to notice that, that the next day you don't have as good a CO2 tolerance mm, as well. Mm. Um, and then if for, particularly like with clients that I work with, a big thing is that that con, that chronic acidity and often it will be because they're having coffee like way too much. Mm -hmm. um, they're very low in minerals. So if you get really low in minerals, your CO2 tolerance is going to be pretty poor. And your body kind of just says, well, if you're constantly putting all this acidic stuff in my body, then we're just going to leave it slightly slightly acidic all the time. Like I can't keep correcting it for you. Mm -hmm. So you'll pee all the time at night. You'll wake up constantly. You'll be craving water constantly. These symptoms of your body trying to rebalance, but it hasn't got the nutrients anymore to efficiently do that. So it's amazing all the things that I've linked together in terms of all the different symptoms and how they relate to, you know, the blood or the mitochondria or the gut. And, um, fascinating. Yeah, it, it's yeah, Mate, it you've, fascinating how you, this ties in. You've learned so much and, uh, without sounding condescending, I'm proud of you because you, you know, for somebody that's been through so much and, and to be able to learn everybody listening, if you, you know, reach out to Pete and Jane, um, to be able to help with with any of your, your health, not just your training. I mean, because this is what we're talking about here. It's your your overall health. And I think as as Ironman athletes, triathletes, we tend to we get very very fit, but for the most part, it's very unhealthy. Um, and we are talking about having you know a long life, not just taking advantage advantage of it and being successful for one race and then being screwed for the rest of your life. Um, so, it's, mate. But what I want to do because I, I feel like we've we've talked about the you know, the deep diving and the free diving. I want to, I want to go back and just celebrate your career a little bit. Um, I want to go back to that feeling in 2011 when you came second at Ironman Kona. And I want to understand your mindset of firstly reaching your first podium at the Ironman world championships. And then what that mindset was like from then and going through to winning the Ironman World Championships. Let's let's spend a few minutes on that. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier that I believed in my gut from when I was young that I could win Hawaii. And turns out belief isn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it turns out. Um, so 
I, I, like I said, I was doing everything. My guts were terrible in 2011. It was one of those periods <laughs> where um, I'd be stopping in the bushes on runs. I'd stop in the toilet three times before I even went for a run. And, you know, that, that was just one thing. Um, and got there, you know, great race, happy with it. And actually, it was just before the race. And I'm sitting there and, and um, John McLean was there, mm. who's obviously Ironman Hall of Fame in Hawaii, first wheelchair athlete to complete in the cutoff time and do a whole amazing bunch of other um, athletic feats. And he, in his book, one of his books, his first book at that point, you know, he's so driven for the win, just to win. Like he, he focuses on the win from years out from like a, an Olympic competition mm -hmm. and I said, how do you do it? And he's like, oh, well, you know, there, there's no answer. You can't just switch it on and say two days before the race, oh, I want to go from <laughs> having a, a podium mindset to having a winning mindset. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the catalyst for me when I crossed the line in second to go, okay, now for the next 365 days, I want the win and I want the win. It's no longer, oh, I believe I'm good enough. It's now, right, I want that and how do I get that? Um, and, uh, and, and another mentor, that was the plan, Al Pittman, who we'd written down on a napkin five years earlier, basically, you know, go top 10 and then you'll go, you know, mm. around fifth middle of the pack, then you're going to go podium and then you're going to win. And we pretty much did that exactly other than the eighth, then ninth, but that was because of a passing penalty where I just got stuck mm. wide of, of probably for too long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and had that penalty. So the um the mindset then was like okay how do I win and it's I did I took more more supplements to help settle my gut down um, the following year and trained pretty similarly though like I had a routine by then I knew I was following a run training plan out of a book that I'd followed for years so I knew that that worked for my running cycling up in Noosa was a little bit easier and better long rides just you know on my own everything was on my own that's how I like to really get in shape. I'd go easy when I was tired and I'd go hard when I felt good and I didn't have to think about anybody else. And I didn't, I didn't have to tell someone, oh, I didn't do that session because I was tired. Or also I didn't have to tell someone, oh, you know what, I'm going to go hard here, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you up at the shops or something like that. <laughs> you know, it was all just go out there, focus on it, um, put on some tunes and, and train, train as solid as I could. Um, yeah, so big shift in mindset and part of that was due to, to thinking about how John McLean approaches mm -hmm. all of his, um, things yeah, as well. It's far, far more intentional about everything you do, right? It's all about being very specific for the win and it, it's, it's no, it's actually no more a wanting a win. It's, it's a need, right? And it's like, it, it becomes so intentional in everything you do. Was there any moments during, in that 365 days where, you know, you had the lethargy come in, the fatigue, um, or, you know, did you get your standard injury in April, May to yeah, slow yourself yeah, I down? Did, I, did <laughs> I think, I think it was, um, I think previously I'd had a metatarsal drop a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. so before that I'd had a collarbone and I think that twisted out, twisted my body a lot, just having the shoulder in a sling, pulling forward, the following year, I had a stress fracture and a boot on one leg, so that threw the hips out more. Um, and then I think that year, I just had the metatarsal just dropped a bit, um, and so it was getting bruised. And again, that was related to literally just once I 
once it took quite a while to figure out, oh, if I shift my hips, my, my ribs, sorry, to the right and straighten up, the metatarsal lifts. So it was just that my body was sort of wanting to twist to the left too much, and it still does. Um, haven't got rid of that, that completely. But, yeah, I had that rest. Um, I think I did Ironman Lake Placid that year and came second by about half an hour to Andy Potts. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we kind of did a bit of training yeah. over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, obviously – nothing too crazy and then come back and do that hard block in in noosa for um end of like august september right and so that that just was what went that year and and a lot of it was also like i said mindset was by that point i'd really embraced my fatigue and i so i did have some moments of fatigue and one of them was um, I sat on the trainer and rode about 160 watts for four hours, I think, because that's all that I could push on that day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the mindset shift was embrace that I can't do as much as the others. Embrace that's, that's turned my weakness of not being able to train as hard into my strength because I, I'm confident in my body, in my ability, in my talent that I don't need to train as much as those others. So I kind of drew confidence from every time that I listened to my body and backed off that actually I turned that into giving me confidence. That's a great follow, follow what you know you need to do because you are better than those guys. Just you, you do what you need to do. So, yeah. So there was a few days in that where it was like that, where I have no, no wattage, um, but then just by still getting on and doing the aerobic work, like really gentle aerobic work, it helped then get rid of it and I was able to bounce back, you know, a day or two later. The ability to listen to your body is outstanding. As somebody who's on the other side of the spectrum, I'm totally in awe, you know, and and, and then I also think the, the ability to adapt to your circumstances and who you are and do it with such confidence, you know, which probably took you – some time to get to that point, but that, that, that is, uh, that's truly outstanding, you know, because I think a lot of people, well, maybe I'm just speaking by myself, but you, you tend to overdo things to gain confidence in your training and then you're overdoing your training in, in, and you, you're not going to be, and you're going to be fatigued by the time you get to the race. And, you know, I, I, leading into the same, I'm, so I only did one Ironman Hawaii and it was that year, 2012. I, uh, qualified earlier in the year at Ironman Melbourne and, and, I was in Boulder, Colorado with Craig Alexander, who'd won it the year before, and with Tim O'Donnell, who was also a bit of a, a rookie to the Ironman world. And the three of us trained together and the training, mate, one of these days I'll show you on paper what we were doing, and we weren't just doing it, we were destroying each other. <laughs> By the time we got to Ironman Hawaii, mate, the results for them, I don't need to say anymore, but you can look at the results of the three of us. And I remember Crowy had a, I know Crowy had a, a bad back. He, well, he, he, the funniest yeah. part, and just so, sorry to talk about me for a moment, but we, we, we had this run up at the Switzerland Trail and, and the mountains of Colorado there up above Boulder. And, and I think for years, Crowy had been calling it his 30K run or something. And we went up there with our Garmins in 2011. 2012 and we're like no mate it's only 25k <laughs> so i think we shattered his mindset going into 2012 <laughs> maybe i'm getting it all wrong but i know the three of us probably overdid it um 
and 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 honestly, none of us were probably listening to ourselves as well as you did. And that's where you look at the scoreboard, and it, it's pretty cool. It's actually a really cool story. I like that a lot. Yeah, um, and as you said, it did take a long time to build. And yeah, and my story of a big aha moment was I was probably about. 23 or something 24 having dealt with some uh, quite a bit by then of fatigue and if i turn up at a race and just feel good i'm happy and i think it was gold coast half ironman and i'd been fatigued on and off and i just felt good on race day i probably only finished like fourth or fifth or something and i was just so happy because i was like my body works this is brilliant i love i just feel so good to be able to race yes yes and that was the moment where i from that point on, I learned to shut my my ego down yeah, and where yeah. if I did train with people and got dropped, I just did not care because I was like, it doesn't matter. I just want to feel good on race day. And if I feel good on race day, I'm likely to beat these other guys that are dropping me in training. And yeah, yeah that's sort of where it all stems from. I love that. To deal with it. You created a, you created a weapon out of something that the rest of us would have called a weakness. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was all ego and, and and you've turned it going, yeah, I'm getting dropped. So, okay, I'm going to listen to my body and that's going to become the ability to listen and adapt is going to be my weapon. That's so cool. Mate, let, let's fast forward a little bit. You know, we, we've talked uh, about your career. We've talked about, you know, some of the health issues. Oh, one, one thing before we do, you mentioned you took some sups for your gut. Is there anything you can be recommending to people? Because I know a lot of people have gut issues, especially in Ironman, and I, I didn't, I jotted that down. What, what, um, what, what do you take? Well, my, my approach now compared to them, like that was like kind of you know just having you know diarrhea type symptoms kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, I was taking you know the usual sort of slippery elm and a couple of those sorts of things to try and just settle it down, but. Now, looking back, I would just say, well, I'd just cut out all the rubbish out of my diet. Yeah, right. Like I said, all the dairy, and I would just eat like I am eating now. And that did take a while to get my gut much, much better. Mm. But part of the gut, you got to think of the gut. Some of it's the microbiome. So if you change what you're eating, the microbiome will change over time. So it will improve. And then for some of us, a lot of us say something like lactose or gluten we just don't digest it much at all. So too much ends up in our blood. So just cut those things out and you're going to be better off. Mm. Um, the next part of it is say you've got a gut that's much a leaky gut where mm. more stuff gets through than it should. Well, that's going to happen when you're fatigued more or when you're not healthy, you've got inflammation because the gut is made up of mitochondria. So if I pictured that where if I'm healthy, then if I'm fit and healthy, that's every single cell in my body is getting more oxygen and is healthier. And that includes the the cells that are lining my gut. So everything, every organ, everything works better when you're fit and healthy. Mm-hmm. So that would be my advice. Just stick to a diet that you know is the least inflammatory. And as you improve your fitness, everything should stay on track and supplements in terms of that's the supplements i take now are just the supplements that help assist with mitochondrial function with energy production what are they and can you tell us what those are it's 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 every vitamin and mineral that you know exists on on the planet (laughs) if it was around five billion years ago i'm taking it that's Um, like we were talking about we uh laura's got me onto these minerals called quintons which are you know from the 
from the sea or the ocean originally. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to screw it all up. But I think you nodded your head when we talked about it in Noosa and you're taking something similar. Yeah, yeah. I take a, a – it's just concentrated ocean salt. So it's potassium, magnesium, and um, sodium. And But it's also got small amounts of trace stuff. But I also take a multi-mineral that has – all the uh, all minerals in it at decent amounts. I take a B complex that has all the Bs in it, mm. um, and I take all the iodine and selenium. Um, yeah, the, the, all the minerals and all the vitamins. And then obviously my diet now is focused on nutrient dense food, meat, fish, eggs, and um, simple sugars like white rice and really simple sugars for for training. So. Mm. I'd, I'd avoid the more inflammatory sugars, say, you know, processed flours. Um, I don't really have any processed flours at all. Yeah. I've gone through stages of sourdough and that seems fine. But if I'm really focused, I don't need the sourdough. I'll have um, rice cakes. Yeah. So rice cakes and jam are kind of my, oh, my God, I just need more, you know, sugars, more carbs. carbs. Yep, yep. Um, so something that's really low inflammatory um, yeah, just love that. That's kind of my go-to treat for after after a meal of rice and rice and meat or eggs and fish. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. I actually really appreciate that. I'm jotting down notes here. Um, I, I, you know, I've experimented a lot with the sups and the vitamins and minerals, and you know, I'm not about performance anymore. It's it's more about longevity and health and being able to lift my kids. You know, that's how I work out. That's my that's all my my north star metric is to be a strong, healthy family man. That's about it for my life and yeah. but but all of those play into it um that's fantastic hey let, let's shift gear a little bit mm. um and let's talk about the world of triathlon um you know you've been in it for a good 20 years now um you are a veteran and i'd love to get your thoughts on where you think it's at you know and how it's evolved over time you know watching did you watch the PTO uh, US championships on the past weekend yeah i watched watched it on and off in between coming and going in the house and things yeah yeah same um, yeah 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 yeah. it was it was pretty awesome i mean i was happy for yarn like you know yeah second last race to <laughs> to do that that was awesome yeah. i know he was very happy with it yeah um and it yeah it's great and then to see you know jason west run that fast that was amazing um, 56 you look at it, oh, yeah, 18k right. off the bike i did the math yeah. that's what is that low 31s for 10k 31 minute 10k three 309s or 310s it's pretty decent for per k yeah. which yeah, was five minute at mile. christians yeah. yeah christians strava it was like a 323 average i think so yeah it's he was five oh, minutes oh, faster oh. than those guys that was pretty it was a massive yeah, chunk it's, anyway yeah it's, <laughs> it's so fast um but yeah I, look with the super shoes and stuff um and looking at run splits um yeah i i'm i mean i love the Nike Alpha Flies. I'm a four foot runner or um, have been for, you know, 10, 12 years since I started really thinking about it. And yeah, they, they do add so much more speed. So I'm still pretty stoked with my 241 best at Kona on, um, you know, a pair of yeah, a piece of rubber, basic, rubber sole yeah, things. I know. Very basic racing flats. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I, I do feel that like I did 249 at Cairns, but yeah, didn't, didn't feel great after suffering the last 50 K of the bike. So my, my point is I look at, I still feel competitive. I'm still looking at maybe not the PTO level competitive, but you know, I still look at it and go, you know what? I'm not far off. Like 
I'm not far off an Ironman. Mate, you just did an 809 at Cairns Ironman. You're not far off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So so how much – so my point is how much has it changed and I'm going to say it's – it's not gotten as fast on the run as I thought it would with the mm-hmm. with the um, invention of super shoes. Mm-hmm. I thought that would start dropping off um, a lot more time. And you know those days where everybody runs fast, you've, that's just a, a short course. You know, um, you know if everybody mm-hmm. runs under two forty, mm-hmm. you've got to just question how short it is. Um, so yeah, I I still want to run fast um let's say three three like I, my goal is still to run a sub 240 and i know that that would be you know the quickest in in most races yeah for a marathon um in an ironman so yeah i think it's it's in a great place but then jason west goes and runs you know 56 and says well this is how fast we can get yes and um, it, sure the, he was off the back on the bike but um, it still shows a 50 and there's more if, if everyone was going 57 58 59 that's one thing everyone else was 101 102 103 yeah like it, almost everybody was kind of right on 101 yeah um that's 10 yeah, percent better so, it's not yeah. we're not talking this is at that level that was and look to your point yes his swim bike he wasn't he wasn't quite there but still um, I know he had some bike issues in in T one. There was something up with his handlebars and headset or something that was screwing. I saw on Instagram. Oh but, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, but look, no, uh, like you loved watching Jan just knock it out of the park, and and even his few words to Christian at the end were kind of fun. You know, a, a bit of a battle where he said, you know, Christian hit him in the water, and he's like, you know, I don't know, whatever he said something like, screw you, Christian, or <laughs> whatever. Um, and look, I'm a fan of everybody, so I'm not picking on anybody. I, but I do love to see the you know, a little bit of. Um, yeah. And, and guys are still having their problems. Ditlev had stomach issues. Oh, yeah. And, and so I love it's, Magnus. It's, I love all of these guys. You know, I, the, the, it's good to see them all perform. You know what? You know what I'm noticing is I, I think the super shoes have allowed everybody to get more out of their bikes because they're not bringing in running fatigue as much. Um, and so I think the bike has improved because people aren't as fatigued from the run and they're able to do more intense and better work on the bike. That's my theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would probably make sense. You don't need as much pep in your legs with the super shoes. Yeah. You can, yeah. You can dead your legs a little bit and yeah. still run. But even in training, not just for the racing, like you can just oh, keep yeah, turning training, up in training. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So so where, where do you see the sport going, mate? You, you think it's in good hands? Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on that I barely know what's happening anymore. <laughs> it's hard to keep up. Yeah. Because I, I actually think when you were, when we caught up and, and Belinda Granger was there and I was like, is, is Super is Super League still going? PG like, knows everything, doesn't she? There's so much, there's so much happening. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not yeah. a, I'm not a massive spectator of sports. Like I actually don't watch really any sport um, at yeah. all. So to turn on the PTO, you know, special occasion. Um but yeah, obviously, there's so much going on. Um, it's hard to keep up with it I get all. It. I get um, it. But I think, yeah, it, it's going well. Um, it in terms of well, you know, obviously the the Hawaii change was was really disappointing. Yes, um, yes, I agree. I agree. To, to, to mention that, you know, it was a monument race. It was like yeah, Harry Roubaix, and you've just oh, let's not race it every year. Uh, let's put it somewhere else. It's like oh, that's that's mm. that's so so against what that was, and and it didn't, and to me, it just didn't make any um, 
sense for their brand because that was the one thing that they had on everybody else was we have this monument that everybody wants to come to every year and you know now they're just handing out entries to just about any female that wants to go um and and likewise the males for nice because they just don't have the numbers to to kind of fill it as much as they want to and that's it's just lost that um that vibe and and splitting men and women as well just totally sucks to to not have men and women racing on the same day um i couldn't agree more yeah so there's so many things that i just disagree with that and just don't see um any of the sense in it at all yeah i I agree with you mate yeah you're going did you qualify for nice are you going oh no i would have but no 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 I, I want. I want to. Um, I know you've got other things and better things you can be doing than talking to me on a on a Wednesday morning midweek. Um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> we can chat all the time. All right, but I do want. I do want to finish up with one of my my favorite things to do in a final three questions. Um, so the first one: if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your sixteen year old self if you're just starting out? Um, I would. I would say you know nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and pretty much, you know, everything that you will learn, you will re relearn in a different way and you'll change your mind and you have to be open to it. I mean, yeah, being really young, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to learn something and then that's what I know. Um, mm, whereas mm. now I know that what I know now is very different to what I'll know and believe in the future. And yeah, yeah. That, that open-mindedness and tolerance and understanding – um, of how we learn and how we create beliefs, um, that is something that I would try to try to tell a, a, a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> I, I know listen. that I would. I know it would just go straight <laughs> over my head. Like I'd be like, "What are you talking about? Yeah, if I learn yeah. something, then I've learned it. What do you yeah. mean? I it's yeah. wrong. I'd have like, to adapt and keep learning. It, it really. I love that. It's like that that growth mindset." You know that yeah. that willingness to keep learning, keep trying to staying curious. You know, yeah, curiosity is the big thing. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, just because you think somebody else is doing it wrong, isn't you? You might be the one that's wrong. So yeah. you have to be curious to try and learn. That's why really they good. That. I, I like, like that, Pete. Yeah, that's yeah. something that just doing health coaching courses and just my own journey, and obviously just getting more mature. You you know you yeah. realize that yeah you've got to um you've got to accept that you're going to be wrong quite a lot of the time, and you need to keep learning. And um, that's fantastic. Yeah, sorts of things, yeah. I think I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I've had on this show. That's a really good one, and and it's one for all of us. Even a fifty-one-year-old old man like myself loves to hear stuff like that. It's like keeping that keeping that growth mindset. All right, next one. If you could have dinner with three people, non-family, living or dead, who would it be, and 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 why? Okay, I, I prepared. I had to think about it. <laughs> you prepared? Yes. For for listeners, this is there are a couple of questions I do send to guests before they come on to prepare, and these three are, are three of them. Yeah, um, John McLean, who I mentioned earlier, yeah, you know, he's always guy. been a bit of a mentor. He's always been just a solid rock, but he's also bloody funny, um, charismatic, and just an absolute legend. And um, got to get him on the show. Yeah, I got to get him on my show. It's you been should. Too we've, long. Shared, we've shared some, you know, pretty big moments, yeah. you know, through our careers, and and um, yeah, just 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 uh, an amazing guy. Um, then. 
I would say a, another podcast that I listen to a lot along the lines of people being funny um, is Smartless. And mm-hmm. so I would say Will Arnett because he just very funny. He's been in a lot of shows that I just, you know, wet myself laughing at. That's awesome. Um, so someone who's really funny, really sharp and witty. And um, and then the third one I had to think about, I was like, how do I think? And um, it was close between a couple of footy players. And I don't watch football at all, but I've met, <laughs> I've met Nick Cummings, uh, the Honey Badger, um, and he's he's a bit of a legend, and obviously he's got so many stories. And um, but he gave me some good advice one one time, and it was like oh, this guy's just you know he's 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 a good mm. package. He's, he's also mm. funny, also someone who pumps me up. Um, but I've chosen uh, Matt Rogers because Matt Rogers yeah. pumps me up like no one else as well. So. Um, obviously he's done so much in his career. He came out with a book not long ago and that was a great read about his whole life. Um, really fascinating. And obviously he came into triathlon for a while and yeah, whenever I see Matt, geez, he's, he's just, he's, he's like my biggest cheerleader, but he's such a good bloke. Um, he's done so much for charities and he's funny. He's got so many stories. So I recommend his book as well as John McLean's book, um, books, many books that John's written. Um, so those, those three are just, just funny down to earth guys. Um, that sounds yeah, like an also, awesome dinner, also, mate. It also pumped me up. It sounds, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel good about myself and I've had a good yeah. laugh. sounds like the perfect dinner, exactly. mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's finish with the real quick with some, um, rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. Ocean swim or pool swim? Pool. Wow. First job. Uh, well, I was in a post office for a little bit, but first proper job. Yeah. My landscaping apprenticeship for four years. The post office. Classic. All right. Uh, morning training or evening training? Oh, morning, but yeah, I often do well in the evening. I kind of split. Yeah. yeah. I feel better in the evening, but I'd like to get it done in the morning. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. Uh, which decade of music is best? Oh, um, 90s. Yeah, uh, I'm still Daft Punk, still one of the, uh, the, the nice. 90s. Yeah, yeah. Daft Punk, yeah. 90s Daft Punk, yeah, be specific. All right. Uh, bike, road or TT? Road. And and I've got myself a gravel in the last month and that is now that's just epic. Nice. <laughs> All right, recovery, ice bath or compression boots? Oh, I don't do either. Um <laughs> I would, I would choose the compression boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ice baths just too uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Podcasts or music during training? Um, mostly podcasts. Is yeah. that right? Cool. Mm. We were talking about that. You, do, you, do you do audible books as well? Or oh, no, I haven't ever done an audible book. No, yeah. just lots of podcasts. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I, I I listen to books more than I do podcasts, but I do enjoy hosting a podcast. <laughs> All right. What is the best place you've raced or the best race you've done? Um, gosh, best race I've done. Um, or if you could do favorite. I, I don't know why I've put best. I always draw a blank, but I mean, I mean, Hawaii is an obvious one. Yeah. Um, just the vibe being in, in Hawaii. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, just anything around around Germany, kind of 
that yeah. region, Bavaria yeah. region. They're just good fun, little yeah. little races, low key races, but um, yeah, yeah, it's got a real just different culture, and obviously. In Australia and Noosa, it's a very different culture. So I love, I love seeing being in Europe yeah, and the Germans, different, different aspects of, of Europe. Yeah, very cool. All right, two to go. Post race treat: a big burger or a creamy milkshake or none of the above. What would you pick? Burger. Yeah, same. And greatest movie of all time. Um, first one that comes to mind is is the wedding singer of of. <laughs> It's been a long time since I've said what's my favourite, but I remember about 10 years ago I said <laughs> so sticking with it. Singer. You're sticking with it. There's been um, another better movie about weddings called Wedding Crashes that's come out since yeah, you Yeah, that was, that was good too. No, I love the, I love the songs in the wedding. Yeah, singer. yeah, yeah. I love the singing. It was a good album. Honest. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, very, very funny. But, um, yeah, they'll just have to go with that, um, yeah. that in terms of what awesome, buddy. Yeah, up there. <laughs> well, 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 listen, um, one, one final thing, you know, you're 41, 40? How old are you, 41? Yep, 41 and a half. You know, so you've got, you got a couple of years left of racing if you want it, and and I'm not meaning to cheapen you because, you know, Cam Brown went to 50, but um, but when you think of you, what sort of uh, legacy would you love to leave behind in, in the triathlon community? What, what, how would you want to be known? Um. Yeah, just coming through from, um, you know, health challenges mm -hmm. and still finding and learning more so that I could be the best I've ever been at 41 plus. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can just show that and, and put into practice what I've learned over these 21 years. Mm. Um, and that's what I think Ironman is a lot is learning and like, you know, you've got to have, it's knowledge, um, how to train, um, all of those factors, how to race, how to fuel, how to recover. Um, and just, yeah, how the body functions in general. Um, so yeah, my, I would like to be able to help thousands of people, um, improve their health and performance as well in, in the way that I've been able to find my answers um, cause you know, we've all got the same, mm -hmm. same mitochondria, same, same gut, same everything. Um, and yeah, so keep, keep helping people, keep sharing what I've learned, keep learning. And that's one of the reasons why I always wanted to do well in Hawaii was to push my limits and find out how my body functions at those limits. Mm. And mm. that is still the thing that drives me. That's still why I want to do it. That's still why I'm not you know, not ready to retire because I have not found my limits yet. I know that I can still improve my health and my fitness a bit more. And then I therefore can improve my training a bit more. And yeah, like in cans, that was decent, but there's room for improvement and still. So um, that's what's driving me. So I just want to keep my learning and sharing what I've learned. That's um, so awesome. That others, you know, I don't want any others to you know, we'll go through what I, I went through and there's a lot of people out there, you know, I get contacted a bit, but I'd love to be contacted by more that are dealing with fatigue issues. Um, and we can chat about that. Well, let's wrap that up. How, how do people get in contact with you and it's live your own fit is uh, just, just, oh, just my website, peakjacobs.com. Oh, go to peakjacobs.com. Okay. Some details of coaching, but otherwise, 
just DM me on Instagram or Facebook and or email me um, PJ at PeteJacobs.com. Okay. And yeah, we'll just we'll just get in touch and we'll start the process of um Oh, you're a good man. If I'm a fit for you. Well, I think just having you as a mentor and a thought board and all of those things would be such a a privilege for a lot of people. And and to be able to even just, you know, if you are dealing with fatigue or or depression or, or, and you're questioning, just have somebody to listen, you know, that's gone through it a bit themselves um, would be just so massive. So as you, as you said, you're the type of person just says, I'll just toughen up like, Oh, I'm the worst mate. I've I've had to, but this is the point. I've got a growth mindset, mate. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. The years, the years, the decades of being in my twenties and just, yeah. People, oh, you just need to train oh. more, or you just need to motivate more. No, you know, know, I know. You just need this, and it's like you just, yeah. There's something else understands. going on. There's something. And else even going your partner, on. even Jamie, for a long like people yeah. don't get it. Like, why don't you just get up and be happy? Like, why don't you just do this? You know, why don't, just do it. And then, yeah, when you've got fatigue, you you just cannot. They don't have the energy to smile or do anything that you enjoy, and. um yeah, so I fully understand that. I feel like I've been a terrible friend. <laughs> I feel like I've, because I was, I've been that person that is, you know, just pull your finger out, get going type person. And it's like, and you don't fully understand what people are going through. And you've got to be careful that you don't jump to conclusions and, uh, you know, so, mate, yeah. I apologize. Tell them, tell them to go back home and have a rest and <laughs> yeah. eat well and take their supplements now. All right. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Pete, Greg. mate, this has been an awesome episode. I've loved the chat. I could keep talking to you for another hour, on a couple of hours. Um, so much wisdom. It really has been a pleasure to have you on the show. So, thanks for coming on, mate. Oh, it's been great. Thank you. All right. And everybody, thanks for listening. You can find all the show notes at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. And you can find all the other little bits and pieces there as well. All right, Pete. Cheers, mate. Stay on the line. Thanks. Thanks.